This Washington Post Live podcast is in partnership with Briarcliff Entertainment. The Dissident is now available through video on demand on all major platforms. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Director Brian Fogle, Omar Abdulaziz, and Hatija Sanjiz join the Post to discuss The Dissident, a new documentary about the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Welcome to Washington Live. I'm David Ignatius, a columnist at the Washington Post, and it's my pleasure to invite you to a special discussion of a powerful new movie, The Dissident. Uh, I want to apologize to our audience because due to technical problems, I'm not able to appear uh, live on the screen, but I I will be interviewing all of our guests uh, as we move through this discussion. I want to welcome first Oscar-winning director Brian Fogel, who has produced The Dissident, uh, which examines the murder of our friend and colleague Jamal Khashoggi at the hands of Saudi operatives. Today, we're honored to welcome Brian along with Jamal's fiance, Hatice Chengiz, and Omar Abdelaziz, who's an activist and Saudi dissident, both of whom are in the film in very powerful ways. Thank you all for joining me, and apologies that I'm not there on the screen with you. Thank you, David. Thank you. So before we start, I just want to say personally to each of you a special thanks for bringing our colleague, who we love dearly at the Post, and his story so powerfully alive in this film. I've watched it several times now, and I urge our audience to do the same. It captures a distinguished man and his brutal murder in an unforgettable way. Brian, let me start with you and ask you why you were interested in making this film. Um, Well, I I was looking for what that next film uh, project was going to be for me uh, following Icarus and the wonderful accolades uh, received it, you know, crescendoed uh, with the Academy Award in March of 2018. And during those two weeks of October, as Jamal's murder unfolded uh, on the international stage, um, not only was I riveted, I was shocked, I was appalled at what I was reading, and um, it felt that this story was um, the battle for freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of journalism, and as I started to read uh, Jamal's uh, opinions and uh, that he had been writing for the Washington Post, his column, um, I saw a moderate. I, I saw a man who loved his country. I saw a man who wanted change for his country. And as I was from afar reading uh, about Omar Abdulaziz and his battle uh, with the Saudi flies trying to not only overtake his Twitter account and that of Jamal's, but the hacking of his phone, the imprisoning of his brothers, and of course the story of Hatiza Jangas, the you know unimaginable loss and just unfathomable um, uh, emotional, heartbreaking journey that she was on. Um, it felt like all of these um, forces com- colliding. Uh, could make for um, a very impactful film. And um, 
I went and met with the Washington Post and all of you. Uh, it was third week of October 2018, and after the Post um, said that uh, that they would help and allow me to interview uh, so many of you that that knew Jamal and worked with Jamal, um, that really set me on the journey to making the film. And uh, um, here we are, two years later. Well, here here we are indeed. Uh, I remember your visit, uh, Brian, and, and our conversations. The Distant premiered at the Sundance Film Festival to great acclaim, but you had trouble finding a distributor. And I want you to walk us through that journey of getting the film distributed and tell us why you think companies were telling you no. What were they afraid of? Well, first and foremost, uh, the very good news, the positive news is that the film launched uh, uh, last week uh, on Friday on video on demand platforms where people could rent the film in the United States and Canada uh, through Apple or through, through Amazon, Comcast, DirecTV, uh, uh, services like that. And um, we're being told that the film has done exceptionally well. Uh, we've hit as high as number three on iTunes. And what we're hearing from our distributor is that um, the kind of uh, numbers that the film is doing is uh, unprecedented for uh, a documentary on a VOD platform. So that is really, really wonderful and encouraging that we're seeing um, both in the United States and Canada so far, uh, a real appetite for the film. Um, in the perfect scenario, um, we really wanted a, a big global streamer for the film, um, a company like Netflix uh, or like an Amazon that would have had the reach to put this film into 200 million households in 190 countries around the world at the same time for everyone to see it. And um, at Sundance, we were greeted with, you know, a standing ovation. Hillary Clinton was in attendance, uh, as well as Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix. And despite, you know, incredible accolades, Atija was there, uh, tears flowing from, from people as, as she entered uh, and stood on stage with me. Um, there was not a single offer uh, of distribution from any of the major global uh, distributors and streamers. So um, I think what we see there is uh, their ties to Saudi Arabia, uh, the amount of money and liquidity for investment that the kingdom has, um, and the cowardice of these companies uh, to take on a story that involves, um, you know, human rights, um, freedom of press, uh, freedom of speech, but um, has an ongoing impact today as Omar's brothers and friends remained imprisoned. Lujan al-Hatul uh, was just sentenced to another six years in prison, a Saudi human rights activist, and Hatija um, has not been able to have justice for Jamal's murder. Uh, nor has anyone uh, that loved or cared for Jamal. Um, but uh, uh, the positive is that it is available for people to see right now. 
uh, in the U.S. and Canada, and very grateful for Briarcliff Entertainment and Tom Ortenberg, uh, our distributor that had the courage uh, and bravery to step forward and distribute the film. Before I turn to, to Hatija and to Omar, I want to ask you one more question, Brian. And that's whether you experienced any pushback from the Saudi government uh, while you were reporting the story and producing the film. Were you threatened in any way? Um, I was. I was not threatened. Um, you know, and and you know, Hatija, Omar, and I. We, there was uh, a, a constant um, uh, being careful. Um, I never saw a reason to go to Saudi Arabia uh, in the making of this film, because to me, whatever the Saudis or Mohammed bin Salman was going to tell me, we already basically knew, which is I didn't do it. Um, so it, it didn't feel like there was any information to be uh, to be gained, uh, especially with the audio, uh, the transcript, and um, I believe in the findings of uh, of the CIA. I believe in the findings of MI6. I believe in uh, Turkish intelligence findings. Um, it felt to me like this case, in terms of what happened to Jamal, uh, was pretty uh, uh, was an open and open and closed case. There wasn't much to dis dispute. So it made the decision uh, to not. Uh, basically reach out uh, to the Saudis in the making of the film um, was not threatened but if you look at Hatija's Twitter feed or Omar's Twitter feed um, if you look at Hillary Clinton's post about the film from two days ago uh, or you look at what is happening to us on IMDB the, the internet movie database that rates films or on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, we are being trolled uh, exactly as you see in the film. Uh, Hatija and Omar uh, have had uh, tens of thousands of, of mean-spirited, uh, really vicious uh, uh, posts on their Twitter account. Uh, uh, Hillary, when she tweeted about us two days ago, was met with you know, uh, thousands of negative comments. And even our Rotten Tomato audience score, uh, we had a 96% from critics and a 99% audience rating. And two days later, um, uh, we uh, 700 scores of zero came in on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so literally, uh, and you look on an IMDb page, there's now 600 votes of one. And if you read people's comments, they either rate the film a 10 or they rate it a one and say it's lies. So, I mean, what, what we see in the film uh, is not only real. I mean, it is it is still happening right now as we're on this conversation. So, Brian, it sounds like MBS's army of flies, as the film describes his attempts to manipulate social media, continues. Let me turn now to Omar Abdelaziz, who, as viewers of this movie will learn, is a courageous Saudi activist uh, who has been trying to influence change in Saudi Arabia uh, and who became uh, closer to Jamal in, in the last 
uh, months of his life. Uh, Omar, describe your relationship with Jamal, how you got to know him and how he became drawn more closely into your work. Uh, actually, uh, the beginning, okay, Jamal and I, we weren't, we weren't friends. I, I, was, uh, I was criticizing Jamal Khashoggi because I believe that he was working for the Saudi government, and he did. And uh, I do remember that in 2015, once when he launched uh, uh, his uh, 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 TV channel, uh, once he said that I'm going to interview everyone, every dissident, but I'm not going to interview a, a Saudi dissident. So then I, I, I attacked him, I criticized him, and he was, he was following me by that time. And uh, then he unfollowed me. That was in 2015. But uh, I, I do believe that when, when MPA, well, MPS uh, uh, took over and started to control the country, and Jamal managed to be the country, uh, from there we, we started to build a new uh, uh, relationship. Uh, uh, Jamal felt lonely. And uh, in the same time, he was eager to do something. He was eager to try. Uh, he was eager to, to uh, change the situation back there in the country. And he didn't want to be called a dissident by that time. Uh, he said, let's, let's do something. Let's try to create something new to help our people, to help the prisoners, uh, the political prisoners uh, back there in Saudi. Uh, uh, and let's 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 see what what we can do. And by the way, uh, uh, Jamal was planning to come to Canada, uh, but uh, I think you all know that he decided at once to to leave to Istanbul. And uh, yeah, from there we started to work. And I, I, I thought that it's the moment. And Jamal was a game changer, just to be honest with his connections, with his experience. Uh, we started our project, The Peace. We started uh, to work on the uh, website for the political prisoners back there in Saudi. And uh, uh, we were trying to do that behind the scenes. It's not, not publicly because he, he didn't want to be affili affiliated with me by somehow. So uh, we didn't know that we were uh, bucked uh, and the Saudi, uh, uh, the Saudi government managed to see everything, to read everything, when they used Pegasus against uh, me and uh, uh, other uh, dissidents. So, I just wanted uh, Omar, to explain, uh, David, I just wanted to explain the, uh, just to people who might not know, uh, Pegasus is Israeli uh, cyber hacking software uh, that the NSO group uh, in Israel has sold to governments it's all over the world. And they hacked uh, Omar's phone and Jamal's phone with this software. Uh, it's been reported that Jeff Bezos was also hacked uh, with this software among uh, what is known to be at least 1,600 journalists uh, around the world by other governments. And by hacking Omar's phone and Jamal's phone, they knew that they were working uh, to basically suppress the Twitter flies, the Saudi government uh, trolls uh, on the platform, and that uh, Omar and Jamal were actually working together. I'd urge our, our, our viewers to look at Brian's film for a detailed account of just 
how uh, the Saudi uh, attack on dissidents uh, moved forward and the evidence gathered from UN investigators, uh, among others, ab- about the specific attack on the on the phone of uh, Amazon's uh, chief executive and the Washington Post owner, uh, Jeff Bezos. So I'd like to turn now to Hatija and uh, let me say first that uh, all of the, the audience for this program uh, share with you condolences on the loss of your fiance and the, and the, the painful experience that, that you've had. I'm sure that sharing the story of what you lived through on camera was difficult for you. And let me ask, what made you decide to participate in this film? and share your account of what happened with the world, Hatija. Thank you very much, uh, David. And um, um, my ex- my personal experience with Brian and with the film, quite uh, unique. I was, I remember I was having a great frustration or um, a huge trauma that time when Brian came to me. And it, it is too difficult to express what I had, but shortly um, I, um, I remember when you get um, kind, any kind of trauma or frustration, um, the power of pain or shock um, create a new uh, like planet in your mind, and you guess you live very different place than others, and you guess you should protect yourself from people, uh, from life, and even from yourself. And uh, at the same time, uh, this trauma or frustration. Um, you see front of you, there is uh, like two options, you know. And the first one is uh, keep living at the same place uh, already you are in. Uh, Keep trying, keep remembering what happened with you and with him and, uh, and try to being alone and getting away from the people and from the life. This is the first way. The second way is uh, to um, to transform. Uh, what I mean with this transform uh, to transform your pain or your 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 heart, uh, what you're feeling, uh, to hope. And in this point, Brian uh, or this film helps me to transform my pain or or my story and um, keep uh, Jamal's name alive and uh, his legacy alive. And then I took a step with uh, Brian and took a place with this film. It was too, too difficult. It's easy now I am speaking about past, but it wasn't uh, easy that much what I am telling right now. And another hand, um, Brian called me many times before he came. He came to Istanbul, and uh, it's kind of uh, like friendship uh, created between us. And also, this point helped me. 
And when he called me, uh, he was asking me a lot of questions. And I was saying that I am not available to tell this story right now. Please uh, give me some time. And then please do not come now, maybe after two months or three months, because I'm really, uh, I was really destroyed. And then he said that uh, very important to me. I uh, I really want to know. I want to also show this side what happened after the murder to you. I want to show this this part to film too. So uh, this process we have to put in the film. So and then he came and then he start working with me and then. Uh, I think his personality, and then also um, uh, he he made me like a normal person telling my story. I think uh, this part is uh, made me more relaxed and comfortable, and then we did what we did together. So uh, thank you, Hatice. Let me turn back to Omar. One of the most moving parts of this film is the discussion of how two of your brothers are imprisoned in Saudi Arabia in what is a naked attempt to put pressure on you. And I want to ask you what that feels like as an activist to have your brothers in such difficulty in the kingdom uh, as, as an attempt to pressure and punish you. Honestly, it's, uh, it hurts me waking up every morning knowing that not only took my brothers and a large group of my friends are arrested because of me, but uh, uh, knowing the situation back there in Saudi Arabia about so many thousands of political prisoners, uh, it hurts us every single day, every single night. It's, it shouldn't be like that. And uh, most of those people, uh, they weren't participated in any political uh, activities but the government fears a tweet that would do anything to stop people from talking, from tweeting, from, from, from writing. And this is, this is the level that we reached with this administration, with MBS. It's not, I know that it, it really hurts. Uh, 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 every time I, 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 I look at the picture of my brothers or my friends or knowing what, what happened to them because they were severely tortured. It's been two years and five months and 14 days since they were arrested. But here's the thing. They released my brother Ahmed and Majid. They released both of them for two, three times to, to negotiate terms and conditions with me to, to ask me to stop doing what I'm doing. And this is the only proof that we have. Not, on, not, only, uh, 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 not only that, they, like uh, uh, a few months ago, uh, Long time before before we, what happened to Jamal Khashoggi, uh, five six months before uh, uh, the death of Khashoggi, they sent two representatives here with my brother to comfort me, to ask me to go at least to the embassy to renew my my passport, to to be able to travel to Saudi, and imagine what was waiting for me there. So Omar, I thank you for sharing that. It especially poignant given that the Saudi government used that same pressure tactic on Jamal himself, uh, preventing his son from leaving the kingdom to try to 
put pressure on, on him, and we hope that your brothers and your friends will be released. So, Brian, in the in the brief minute or so we have remaining, I want to turn back to you as director of this film. Uh, you have shed so much light on the Saudi regime through your reporting and filmmaking. Uh, one thing that's striking in the film is Donald Trump's boasting as president about, in effect, how he has saved Jamal and, and denying any responsibility for the Saudi government. Let me just ask you simply, in your reporting over over this period making the film, what was the most shocking thing that you learned? I think the, the most shocking thing that I learned was that on a global perspective, that money, business interests, weapons sales uh, takes place over any accountability to human rights. And this is just a terrible problem. It's not just the United States. It's almost every member of the G20. It's every major corporation. It's all of the global streaming platforms that essentially that you can dismember and brutally murder a journalist who was fighting for freedom of speech and press in his country, who wanted his country to be a better place, who loved his country, who had no problem with the royal family. And that in the aftermath of this horrendous murder, which has been uh, verified and proven in countless ways, um, that there is truly no punishment for this crime. And the reason why is that the countries that do business with Saudi Arabia and the corporations that do business with Saudi Arabia prefer their money over taking any stand of human rights. And in the making of this film, Hatija has become my sister. Omar has become my brother. And their pain is my pain. And their fight is my fight. And I love both of these people uh, so much uh, because in getting to make this film and working with them, I saw bravery, I saw courage, I saw uh, two people standing on the right side of history, and I'm honored to be their friends. So thank you, Brian. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can see the distance in, in theaters and on demand now. Uh, a powerful recollection of our Washington Post colleague and friend, Jamal Khashoggi. Thank you, Brian, Atija, and, and Omar for joining us. And I apologize again to the audience that uh, due to technical problems, I was not able to, to, to be with you other than by, by sound. So make sure to come back and join Washington Post Live today at 2.30 when my colleague Carol Leoning will interview former FBI Director James Comey. Don't miss it. It's especially important given the events of the last week. I'm David Ignatius. Thank you very much for watching. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.